Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we get a chance to sit down and have a conversation with Pastor Zellner and learn how God's Word applies to our lives. Welcome back to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church. I'm your host, Will Leitner. We're sitting here with Pastor Eric Zellner. How are you doing today? I'm great, Will. How are you? He's laughing because I have missed up his last name for the previous three takes, but I am awfully excited because today we're talking about hymns. I love hymns. There was a point in my life in which I didn't love hymns, and I thought they were very boring and dry because I didn't grow up singing them. So I would love to talk today about why we sing hymns at our church, Mm -hmm. and you just go from there. So why do we sing hymns? Sure, that's that's a great question. We we sing them first because there's a biblical command to sing them. Uh, The Lord wants His people to be spirit-filled. You remember Jesus meets with the woman at the the well, and He says that true worshipers will worship Me in spirit and in truth. That means what Jesus is connecting is there's going to be a biblical substance to the worshipers, and there's going to be a spirit-filled nature to them. Uh, and so I imagine then when Paul writes in Ephesians 5.19 uh, that God's people are to be um, filled with the Spirit, uh, and then from that they're to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, give thanks always, and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He writes that, and then he repeats a very similar command to the church at uh, Colossae in Colossians 3.16. But he's, he's anticipating that these people will sing the Old Testament Psalms, uh, that which was given as the hymn book for the people of God in the Old Testament. They're going to sing hymns, which are at at some level an adaptation of Scripture in melodic, uh, poetic form. And then they're also going to sing various other spiritual songs. But the emphasis of that phrase is on the word spiritual. Uh, For instance, uh, we know that God's people from that Ephesians 5 passage are to be spirit-filled. So the kinds of things they sing are to be led and guided by the Spirit. So I begin by saying the reason we sing hymns is because there's a biblical command. Uh, we also sing hymns because it is, uh, it, it is biblical content. Um, we're, we're taking Scripture, and we're actually singing God's Word back to Him. Um, and with that, we also recognize, when I say the biblical content, we know that that you and I can sing in our shower, we can sing in uh, praises to God in our at our desk at the office. We could do that, but there's a there's one of the biblical components is the covenant community of worshipers, and so we come together. We're singing as a group. Mm-hmm. So hymns are are useful because we're actually singing rich substance corporately. Right, everybody's joining their voices to that. And then the last dynamic that I, I was going to mention is biblical theology. You you can uh, in when we sing hymns, we might take rich, full-orbed theology that you might not have a single passage of Scripture to put to song, but you might be able to sing those 
broad, big, substantive, weighty theology mm-hmm. in that. Do you have any examples of those that come to mind? Oh, sure. Because um, I, I have some. Yeah, go are, ahead. Go ahead. If you, yeah. um, one, one thing for me is I love the fact that it's the gospel itself that compels us to obedience to God. So I love that idea in Amazing Grace when it says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, "'twas grace my fears relieved." Yeah. So it's grace that actually causes me to mm-hmm. fear God and compels me to be obedient to God, and it's that very grace that relieves my fears because I know I'm saved by undeserved kindness from God. That's great. Uh, And then, Come Thou Fount, um, streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Mm. From It reminds me of uh, Psalm 147, that whole idea of these streams of mercy, these gifts that God's given us in Christ— they just call for songs of loudest yes. praise. It's it calls for obedience. It, mm. It's that motivation from the gospel to be obedient to God. Well, and, and I think the come thou found. First of all, we're going to sing that this week. That's our that's our last song as we close worship this week. But that particular language, while it has, you can go to one or two places of scripture and find that substance. You can also trace that exact same content and theme throughout the scriptures. Right. Right. Um, so I think that's oh, those are great examples. Is there a difference too? Um, you know, there, there's people out there that sing hymns, but they may sing them in a more modern, contemporary way. Right. Is there right. is there a particular reason why Christ Christ Pres sings hymns in a, I guess, with a more traditional liturgy, or, yeah. or how we sing? I guess I'm trying to get at not necessarily why we sing hymns, but now like how we sing, how hymns. we sing them. Yeah. Well, I think the the nature of what I communicate internally to our to our folks is we want we want our songs to be predictable and singable and it would have been unimaginable for ancient people to envision flipping on a a, a machine that they could hear someone someone else singing a song to them while they're walking from you know, here to right. here to Caesarea Philippi. There's just no uh, there's just no context for that, right? So, I mean, anybody could sing a, a song themselves, but when we when we're singing in worship, we're gathering the people of God. So we so we want to have melodies that are singable. Um, now, here's the dynamic that I think we encounter. Um, there are times in our current hymnody that we have to resurrect songs from tunes that no one today knows. Mm-hmm. So it's fair to acknowledge that not all of our tunes in, let's say, the Trinity hymnal, not all of our tunes are easily accessible to everyone sitting in the church today. But we also need to acknowledge, if we're going to say that, we also need to be very aware that there's a large portion of the people um, in a congregation who are not capable of doing vocally what a Hillsong tune might do right. uh, and and not even prepared to follow along. So some of those things that are written are written rather for soloists than congregational singing. Right? Does that make sense? Oh, it does. And I think it all goes back to that idea of we're we're trying to communicate these truths together so that we yeah. can be encouraged together. Yeah. And then it's also that whole idea of like connecting us to Christians from the past yeah. and yeah. singing these all together. That's the exact same reason we say creeds, right? We're connecting ourselves with with people from the past and we're connecting ourselves with one another today, but we're bringing 
in these songs, these hymns, we're bringing forth uh, from our own mouths really rich biblical substance and theology. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading an interesting article by the Wall Street Journal, and it was talking about how um, the church is kind of the last place where we actually sing as a community, because we don't even do that with the national anthem anymore. Right. right yeah. we, we let a soloist try and hit those hard notes. And then also, <laughs> like even things like uh, bar songs, like th- we don't sing as a community anymore. And it's kind of like the church is the last place where we can all come together and lift up our voices. Yeah. Everyone from every different type of age and context can sing God's truth back to God, which I think is amazing because in many ways, I think that's what heaven will be like. Mm. Um, I think about uh, we will feast in the house of Zion. Mm-hmm. I was as uh, we will feast in the house of Zion. We will sing with our hearts restored. He has done great things. We will say together. Yeah. And that's an example of a of a modern song. Um, is that Sandra McCracken? I think mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. So, so that, um, that's an example of a modern song that is singable, it's predictable, it doesn't have to be led by a soloist, and it's deeply saturated in uh, biblical truth. Right. I'm, I'm really, um, over the years as I've worked with people in music uh, inside the church, they, I, I would imagine they probably get frustrated with me because I'm entirely looking at the lyrics, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I, I need the help of people who are musical to help me recognize when how a song is singable or right. not um the sweet people at my church in mississippi would have had to endure me selecting some hymns that were very challenging to sing right um and i appreciated their patience with me <laughs> well i think one thing too is that um the reason why we sing these hymns is because we love the truth of god's mm-hmm. word and right. so if it was about cultivating um more emotions than it was truth, then that would change the songs that we sing. But because we care about the truths of God's word, we want to make sure that that's what we're communicating. Yeah. Well, that point is is profound if you if you really sit on it for a little bit because the the nature of modern worshipers is to believe that we are coming to God to offer Him some kind of certainty about our affections for him. I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you. Right. Um, and the reality is, biblically, Jesus and God are doing totally fine. They they, they don't actually have to have uh, some kind of affirmation from me that I love them. Right. I'm desperately more in need of clear language that communicates their character of faithfulness, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's faithfulness to a wretched sinner like me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, exactly what you've pointed out touches on the nature of our of our modern culture, and that is that which is emotive is that which I express out loud to God about right. how I feel. Right. Um, and the, now listen, there's a place. The psalmist does that. David does that. Many of the psalms uh, speak of the weight of the place where the, the individual singer's heart is. Oh, right. But they're also biblically inspired language, right. which makes it totally different. Well, I think we have to say, too, that obviously we, we love truth and we hope that that truth compels to true emotion. Mm-hmm. That's the whole goal is our, we want our worship to move to a, you know, to a doxology, to a praise yeah. back to God with hearts yes. 
um, being lifted up towards God. Yeah. And so it's, it's not as if we're throwing like it's it's got to be truth or emotion. No, no, no. That's but right. we hope that truth takes the um, the primary role and will compel us to emotion. Yeah. Well, and and I think the uh, nowhere in Scripture is truth separated from the heart. Right. Uh, in fact, truth moves the heart. And so one of the things that I have noticed over the years is that people who will who will come to Christ's prayers and are willing to just listen, uh, they actually are gaining a richness in vocabulary for their mm-hmm. songs, for their prayers, for, and that vocabulary strengthens their faith. Right. Um, well, I remember meeting with you once, and I said, um, you know, why are we singing, um, you know, here I raise my Ebenezer, and and what's an Ebenezer? And you you were saying we actually want our people to go back and open up their Bibles and so that they can learn and grow for themselves. Yeah, yeah and, that's uh, right. And I think another thing too is, I think um, if worship was up to us, then maybe we would have a different view about this. But because we're we're worshiping for God, then He's the one who decides how we worship, yeah. and so it should be about Him and Him being exalted. And there's that classic test of uh, look at uh, a song, a worship song, and circle the pronouns. And do you mm-hmm. see more I than God or mm-hmm. he than us? Or, yeah. And, and you can get a great glimpse of what mm-hmm. is the actual goal of our worship. Who are we trying to exalt? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the nature of what we want to be watchful of. We want, um, we want our songs to be Godward. So I always tell people when they ask me about our worship, I, I would communicate our work. We, you and I are not the audience of our worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I are coming to worship the Lord, and it is our desire for Him to be the audience. And because He's the audience, He gets to tell us how to worship. And so, all, in the in the PCA um, at Christ Press, what you're going to find is we operate under this. Uh, a concept called the regulative principle of worship. We we do that is we do not um, tell the Lord what elements we're going to include in worship. We're going to take from Scripture the elements that are commanded. Um, so that's why we have prayers. That's why we have confessions. That's why we have reading of Scripture. That's why we have songs that are sung back to Him. That's why we use the sacraments. Um, and there's various types of each of those. There's hymns of praise. There's hymns of adoration, there's songs of worship, there's, um, and then you have pr- different types of prayers too, right? But all of that tells me that it is about God. Right. Um, anyway, that's... Well, I think one great way to end is maybe us talking about some of our favorite hymns. Um, that would be great. One that comes to mind for me that I just love to death, I, two of them, uh, one is It Is Well, and there's a uh, part in the verse where he, um, it's Horatio Spafford, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't it? That's right. Yep. He says, um, my sin, and he has to pause, mm-hmm. and he goes, oh, the bliss. And it's almost like he just has to take a five-second break mm-hmm. because the bliss of this thought. He says, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. Uh, I love that idea. Um, and then another one that comes to mind is in Christ alone, and this sort of anchor for for me as I go through stages of life where it, it ends in the last verse with no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. 
So I know that I don't have to have any guilt in this life because I know Christ has taken my guilt upon himself Mm -hmm. and I have no fear in death because he has conquered the final victory in the resurrection and I will get to be with him one day. So, Will, those are the exact reasons that we would want to sing those hymns, right? Because we're, you're, you can, off the top of your head, with a, just a, a tiny bit of remembrance, bring to mind lyrics that are deeply saturated in Scripture. Um, and from that, I would, I, would, I would just simply wrap it up by saying this. Uh, there is nothing—and because I, I'm saying this because you mentioned a, a Keith Getty hymn, mm-hmm. right, in Christ Alone, which is, to some people, a really modern song— but then you also reference what is an, an, a 19th century hymn, right? But we also sing hymns that are, you know, as really early, you know, fourth century type songs. But there's nothing magical about the century in which it was written. There is something profoundly helpful about the biblical literacy of the person writing. And so when you look at what Keith Getty has written there, that's a, that's a biblically rich song. And it should be sung in worship because it's harvesting from Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's radically different. That's why we, we're not making a distinction saying, well, only if we only sing the Trinity hymnal that has the blue cover, or we only sing the Trinity hymnal that has... We're not making a distinction about that. We're making a distinction about biblical richness, and that's really the substance of what, what we want to sing. So when Paul is envisioning psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, he's saying that which flows from Scripture. Right. Um, and so far better to harvest it from Scripture than from my own brain. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what will make heaven so fantastic is because even with these great hymns, these amazing truths can become dry and they do not actually compel us to deeper emotion. And heaven will be, like it says in Revelation 15, we'll be singing songs of the Lamb, the song of Moses, mm-hmm. all of one accord in perfect harmony and unity and perfect right. devotion to the King. So that's right. thank you so much, Pastor Zana, yeah, thank for you, our time. And we hope that this has made you want to listen to some amazing hymns. So we'll see you guys with our next podcast. And thank you for listening.